I need a narrator. Josh, at the back there, are you up to narrating for me? I'll take that as a yes. Come on. And, uh, oh, that is loud. Wow. Um, if you are prim at primary school age, I'd like at the front, I'd like uh, Malcolm and Kim to move to the, their, their right. Lindsay can move to her left. So these two front rows are free. Um, so, Eleanor, bring a parent if you want. Um, who else have we got? Jomi. Now, uh, Kieran. Where's Kieran? I need Kieran. Kieran, and I need uh, Willow. Is anybody else? Not too many. We're, right, just find a seat at the front. We'd, um, so, you're over there, but I'll, it's just to read the, read the scriptures when they, when they come. Right. Anybody else? Come on, Kieran. I need you. Joel, I need you at the front. You can bring a parent if you want. It, they shouldn't be too frightened. And if, uh, well done, Rose. If, if you get, Kieran, I need you to find something. And well done, Willow. If they struggle, just go to the back again. So, right. So we're in super, we're doing superheroes. So, um, Rebecca, Rebecca, just, uh, just follow me, really, kind of thing. So, superheroes. N next slide, please. Right. Now, actually, it's a problem here. I asked, Lin asked Lindsay to help me with some slides. I don't know what she was doing here. But do they look like superheroes? They, why can they not be superheroes? Gabriel, come on, you can come up. You're a big city lawyer. Don't be frightened of being at the front. Right. These are our superheroes this week. Actually, there are four of them. We only look at one of them. But uh, why can't these guys, they could be ladies, why can't they be superheroes? They can. Right. Next one, please. Right. Next slide, please. Right. Some things to collect. Now, uh, Kieran, you can go find the magnifying glass. Willow, there's a lion somewhere at the front here. I need you to find the lion. Others of you, there are those things to find. They're all pretty much at the front. So can you go and find, try and find these things? And whoever's got my passport, please look after it. <laughs> They're all near the front, so Kieran knows where to look. And just come back when you've got them. Uh, under seats, Joel, and, and at the side. Okay? So, no, not that far at the front. Well, under seats at the side. And when you've got it, just go and sit down with it. Okay? You've got the magnifying glass. Brilliant. So find a seat at the front with them and look after the magnifying glass. So there's some more things over there. That's it. Well done. Calculator. You've got two. That's fine. That's good. So Willow, grab a seat. Tell your mum to behave herself. And um, Okay, Willow, come back to... Right. That's great. Anyway, you can wander around. Good man. It's not for you. Well, what team are you? Chelsea. Okay, right. Okay. Right. Now, to start the next slide, please, Becca. To start the story, right, I need four things. Now, if you look carefully, you'll see they are very, uh, they've been very carefully chosen. But we have a passport. Uh, some fr who's got the passport? Who's got my passport? Who's, who's got... Passport, well done. <laughs> right, the box, the fruit, uh, the vegetables, vegetables, bottle of water, bottle of water, well done, and a wine bottle should be somewhere. Well done, wine bottle. <laughs> South African wine. Now, 
Next slide, please. Actually, the, first, the only thing we need is the passport. Now, the passport, who knows what... Joel, what, what do you need a passport for? Going to different countries. You can't get in or out. When you go back to visit your grandparents, you cannot get in or out um, of Peru without a passport. And there's my passport there. Now, in our story, the story starts with... Uh, they didn't need a passport because there were some... Uh, 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 Israel was invaded... Okay, and they took, um, they took captive a whole load of people, including some young guys. Okay, and they, so they didn't need a passport, because if you are just stolen, you don't need a passport. So they didn't need a passport. Josh, where are you? So cue Josh to read. Uh, can you use the microphone? You can go and sit down with it if you want. Again, I think, I think that'll work. Then, don't bother with don't bother, don't bother with the chapter. Just read the text. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literate of the Babylonians. The king assigned them to daily amounts of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those were chosen were some, of, were some from Judah, Daniel, Hannah, Mishael, and Azra. Yeah. The chief official, the chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshar, and uh, Haniah, the Shadrach, and Mishael, Meshach, and to Azra, Abednego. Well done. Very good. Right. Now, it says there about uh, young men without, you know, handsome, showing aptitude for learning. Imagine Malcolm, age 16, you got the kind of guy that... Uh, You'd, you'd, have, you'd have wanted. Now, if that was me, and uh, so you had, they had to learn the language of the Babylonians and the literature of the Babylonians. So is anyone French, anyone from, anyone French here this morning? I can start and say, you know, imagine being conscripted to, to France. Language, okay, you can learn French. Literature, no thank you. Sport, maybe, yeah, I'll go for the sport, but literature would be, for me, just... Um, you know, the pits, really. And it was a three-year course, so it was a university course that they had. And the wine bottle, who's got the wine, the wine bottle? They drank, they were to drink wine and rich food from the king's um, table, or the king's dining room, really. And they had new names. So imagine, like, you got your Joel, you start today as Joel, but by the end of the day, you're called Belteshazzar. Number one, you've got to remember it. And uh, every time anyone says it, you think to yourself, no, my name's Joel. Every time their name... Sorry, you got a question? Yeah. Belteshire, um, up there. You look up there and you find it up there. <laughs> At the bottom, that's it. It gets worse as we go on. Um, 
every time their name was mentioned, they were, they were reminded that they were in captivity, okay, which is really tough. And, but Daniel uh, resolved, it says, uh, we move, when we, if we were to move on down that chapter, it says he resolved not to eat the rich food, and he asked for water, who's got the water bottle? Great, and vegetables, broccoli. Every day, I love broccoli, but um, I'm not sure about broccoli every day. He asked for vegetables. It says he resolved. That doesn't mean, I think it means actually he resolved before God. He, God spoke to him and um, he chose to be different. And the official uh, said, I'll, you know, they'll have my head. If you look poorly after eating vegetables, I will lose, not only lose my job, I'll lose my head. And Daniel said, give us 10 days. Uh, and see how we, how we look. So the official gives the four of them ten days, and at the end of the ten days, um, they looked healthier than the others. Next slide, please. Right, so they are Daniel and Co. Okay, uh, that's, that, those are our four guys. We're only looking at one of them. Next slide. Right, the next one. Next slide. Who's got a cal um, calculator? A defunct calculator? And a mobile phone. Who's got a mobile phone? The mobile phone. Right. So they're the, they're the keys to the next bit. Right. Josh, next bit of text. Sure. On the bottom. Hello. That's it. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of time set by the king to bring them to his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hanea, Mishael, and Azaria. Yeah. So they entered the king's service. Right. What on, how on earth does a mobile phone fit into that? It does. Because when we read scripture backwards, like we're reading it with hindsight here, we think God gave, and Daniel could understand. It's, a, it's as if we read it, as if God's, God rings Daniel on his mobile phone and says, Daniel, today I've given you visions and dreams. Or plug your iPhone in. It's going to come down through Wi-Fi. You will be automatically... God, like, it's like God speaks absolutely directly. Because we read it in Scripture, that's what we think happened. I don't think that happened. I think uh, Daniel began to, interpret, began, began to have visions. And as he prayed... God began to give him interpretation, and then it matured as he continued to pray and worship. And we some, we, I think we're, we're in danger of thinking that God just dumped stuff, dumped ability on Daniel and, and others in the Old Testament. And I don't think that's the case. I think they grew, God gifted them, they grew into it as they matured, no different to the way God speaks to us today. Uh, what was the other thing? Um, the calculator. Right, after this, it says, calculator, that when the king looked at these guys, he found that they were ten times more able than the wise men, uh, than the, his existing wise men. God is a God of multiplication. I had a, a phone call one, one day from, I rang, rang a bank to do something, and the lady said, do you know you've got some money in your current account? You could put it in a savings account. And I look up the, the interest rate on a savings account, 0.1%. So 
That means if you've got a thousand pounds and you save it for a year, you get a pound, which is pathetic, isn't it? Now, God does ten times. God does not do fractions. Okay, God does multiplication. Hence the need for a calculator. Right, where do we go? Next slide. Ah, right, pillow. Who's got the, where's the pillow? That's great. Now, when do we use a pillow? Apart from when we're fighting with our brother, when do we normally use a pillow? To sleep. And does your mum or your dad say, right, sweet dreams or something like that when you go to, when you go to bed? Don't let the bed bugs bite. Yeah, what's the, what's the first bit? There's a first bit to that, isn't there? Night-night sleep tight, don't let the big bugs bite. That's an, or sweet dreams would be another way of doing it. Okay? Right, next, next, next slide. What's the next slide? Josh? In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he said he had dreamed. When he came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Right, see, so he, he was on his pillow. Right, can I, can I have my passport back? <laughs> a wet passport, not great. <laughs> but thank you for looking after it and finding it for me. Right, he had, a, he had dreams. And one of the funny things is that whenever Daniel or uh, others, um, sorry, not Daniel, when the wise men, the first thing they ever say is, O king, live forever. That seems to be the standard response to anything. But, um, oh dear. <laughs> o king, live forever. Uh, like um, buttering up to the, to the king. And the king was very clever here because he said, I want you to interpret my dream. Could you look after my Crystal Palace shirt, please, there, Joel? Sort of <laughs> scrunching it up. <laughs> Thank you very much. Do I, do I want you to fold it? You can, you can clean it. You can put it on if you want. <laughs> the king said, he was, he was very smart, and he said, I want you to interpret my dream, but you need to uh, tell me what the dream is as well. And they said, that's ridiculous. We're wise men. But we can't do that sort of thing. No one's ever done that sort of thing before. And the king got very angry, and he said, that's what you're going to do. And if you don't do it, I'm going to chop your heads off. And Daniel found out about this, the king's threat. And he went to the king, because Daniel was now, um, he was ten times wiser than anybody else. The king would listen to him. And he went and saw the king and said, can I have some time to interpret the dream? Next slide, please. Right, Josh. Uh, then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hanneah, Michelle, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then, then Daniel praised God of heaven. So Daniel's first response was to pray, okay, to seek God. And his response after God revealed the dream to him was to praise God. And Daniel went to the king and he said, uh, King, no man, can inter no man can do what you've asked, but there is a God who can interpret dreams. And the dream was, was a, a difficult one, really. The dream was of an enormous statue of a man, and the head was gold, 
Uh, then a bit of silver, a bit of bronze, and his feet were bit, part iron and part clay. And in the dream, a rock is cut out, and the rock smashes the statue, and it all collapses. And, the, and it says that the, uh, the elements of the statue were cast into the wind, were just... Uh, in the wind blew them away, Hello. and the rock became a mountain uh, and, uh, and filled the whole earth. And the interpretation from Daniel was that in the fourth generation, the kingdom would be divided and the kingdom would be raised up that would last forever. And the king made Daniel ruler over the province of Babylon. Right, next slide, Becca. More dreams. Okay, next one. Now, Josh? I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contended and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came to my presence and I told him the dream. Okay, the dream was of an enormous tree uh, that reached to the sky. And about, um, Kate, our grandson Caleb is six. When he was about four, I took him to London and we got the boat to Canary Wharf and we got, came back from Canary Wharf tube station. And he looked up at Canary Wharf station, uh, Canary Wharf tower, one of the towers, and he said, wow, that's enormous. He said, that is bigger than my dad's car, which was... <laughs> Very good. This tree was visible to the ends of the earth, uh, and it produced fruit, it gave shelter uh, for animals, and uh, food was grown off it. And in, in the dream, a messenger came and said, cut the tree down, uh, trim the branches, the fruit will be scattered. And the tree then took on human form. It was a stump, and it says, and uh, the, the stump will, will take on the mind of an animal and will be cast into uh, the wilderness um, for seven periods of time. It was a really, really difficult dream to get for Daniel to explain. Next slide, please. Right, so now we need uh, the bag of grass. We've got the calculator. The bag of grass. Who's got the, Anyone got the bag of grass? It's down there. Okay, it's down the little bag of grass. Right, next. Josh. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree that Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from the people and will live in the world, in the wild animals, no, with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth that gives, and that gives them to anyone he wishes. Right. This was, the interpretation was about the king himself. A year later, the king was on the roof of his palace looking out, and he thought to himself, I've done pretty well, haven't I? All this is mine, and I can kind of see why people think I'm great. I've made it. You know, I am, I am it. There's a bit of a parallel there with somebody else who looked out on the roof of his balcony and went wrong. as uh, another king who went wrong looking out from his, his balcony. But he, he just got to the point where he thought, I've, ma I've made it, haven't I? I had that feeling once. When we were in, uh, in Orpington, we led a home group, and it thrived, and it grew. You know, grew and uh, I remember a point 
where I thought, yeah, we've made it. We've done, we've done this. We've cracked this. Then almost immediately there was an argument <laughs> and the thing fell apart. And, uh, and it's a dangerous place to be. And uh, when he's on his balcony, a voice comes from heaven and says, your authority has been taken from you. You are going to be driven away today into the wilderness and you're going to live like an animal. And it happened. That day, he was driven out from his palace into the wild. And the Bible says that he ate grass, hence the bag of grass, and his hair grew like feathers of an eagle. So he was a little bird-like character. And his... Pardon? Yes, I'm sure. Like a hog smash, yeah. And uh, his, his nails grew like the claws of a bird. So he was almost living like an animal. But after seven years, seven periods of time, you're right, Kieran, he's all right. He, he acknowledged God, and God restored him to his place as king. And actually, it says he was a greater king after that than he was before. Right, next. Josh? Suddenly, the fingers Sorry, actually, of... Just, just to interrupt. Then he dies, okay? He dies, and he's, uh, the, the, he's replaced as king by his son, whose name is Belshazzar. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king, watched the, hand, the king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale when he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. He held a banquet for a thousand people. And in this banquet, he, uh, he decided that they would go... When, uh, when his dad had raided Israel, he had taken goblets and, and items from the temple and they'd stored them and he said I'm going to take my dad's goblets and we're going to drink a toast to the god of wood and stone and other th- you know other other things and they do that and at that, at that point a hand appears on the wall and uh, it says his face was pale and his knees were knocking his, and the wise men say oh king live forever we don't know what it means okay his wife comes in. I don't know why his wife wasn't at the feast in the first place, but she, she wasn't. And she says, there's a man in Babylon called Daniel who, uh, whom God uses to speak. Go and get him. And the king offers Daniel a gold robe, uh, a gold chain and a purple robe if he can interpret the dream. All right, next slide. So here we need mag- a magnifying glass. And, who's got the magnifying glass? Mag- magnifying glass and the crystal polish shirt. Well done, Joel, looking after it. This is, this is where they come in. Next slide. Now, Daniel brings an interpretation. And Daniel reminds Belshazzar about his father uh, and how his, uh, what had happened to his father and how his father ended up acknowledging the sovereignty of God. But this is Daniel's interpretation. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself Though you know all this, instead you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. This interpretation that was written, many, many, tekel, passing. Here is what the words mean. Many, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, Perez? your kingdom is divided and given to the Mendes and Persians. Persians. Okay, the, uh, what do we use? Um, um, where's the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? Um, magnifying glass. What do you use a magnifying glass? 
to see things that are difficult to see. Right, nobody needed the magnifying glass to see whether... You've got one of you? Good. You found it, didn't you? Didn't you? Okay. I thought you did. You did find it. No one would need a magnifying glass to see, was Daniel... Was, uh, was Daniel... Pardon? Yeah, we did, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yes, we did. Thank you. It's all right. Let me, let me carry on. You can help me in a minute. Iron Man. No, he was last week. <laughs> right. He did not need a magnifying glass to see... Yeah, right. Iron Man's winning by the sounds of it. Right. Um, you, you did not need a magnifying glass to assess, is Daniel speaking for God or not? Okay. Daniel didn't try and hide it, uh, and we'll see it again in a minute. And the Crystal Palace shirt, which needed to come in, if this was me, uh, and he says, I'll give you a gold chain and I'll clothe you in purple, I'll say, I'll have the gold chain, but I want to be clothed in red and blue, please. Not purple. That would be, that would be me. And he died that day. He was, Belshazzar was slain that day. Now, Willow, what's on the screen? Come on, what's that? No, not there. Next one. What's, what's that? That is a lion. Yes. Thank you very much. Right, Josh, next, next one. The royal administrators, perfects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to God or any human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lions, into the lions then. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Right. Darius was the new king, uh, and he appointed 120 rulers around the kingdom and three chief ministers over them. One of them was Daniel. Okay. And Daniel was so good at his job that Darius said, I don't need three people to lead this country. I need... I... Right. Can you go and sit with your mum? Karen, you go and sit with your mum? Right. I don't, need, I don't need three people, I'll raise my voice, I don't need three people to lead this kingdom, I need one, that would be Daniel. And 122 other people ganged up on him, okay, and they thought, what can we, what can we do uh, to, to bring Daniel down? I'm losing here, I? I'll, lose gallant, I'll lose gallantly, it's right, it's all right, don't worry, it's fine, it's fine. And they couldn't find anything about the work that Daniel did. That, would, uh, that they could cr criticise him for, bring charges against him. The only thing they could find was the fact that he was an immigrant. He was an enslaved immigrant and that he worshipped God. And so they set up this plan that they decided that everyone ought to worship Darius for 30 days. Now, this, sorry, this is where I should have brought the magnifying glass in. Daniel went back to his room, opened the windows, and prayed three times a day. He didn't even shut the windows and pray quietly on his bed. He was quite open, and he continued to pray to God. Right, next slide, please. Josh. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Right, the king was distressed. He knew he had been conned by the 122 but the law was the law and uh, uh, and the king 
said, right, well, the law will be carried out. And it says that he made every effort to save Daniel, but he couldn't change it. And, then, and when he dispatched Daniel to the lion's den, he said, may your God, who you, you can serve continually, rescue you. Right, why would a king have a lion's den? Joel, why would a king then... Does our queen under Buckingham Palace have a lion's den? Probably not. Why did kings in those days have lion's den? Discipline, yeah, threat to people. Yeah, any other ideas? Because lions are the most powerful and your enemies, if, you, if your enemies uh, did something they shouldn't have done, you fed them to the lions. That's why, and they were powerful. So they were like a powerful pet. Not that they ever went near them. But he had them there as a threat. Now, next slide, please. Now, hold on. Before that, we, when we visited Matthew, we have um, been to a, a safari park. And um, when we went near the lions, the attitude of the guy taking us, the driver, changed. They went from being a jovial, cheeky, you know, jovial, chatty guy uh, when he went near the lions, he was, on, he was on duty, most definitely on duty. We were told, you do not stick your arms out of the, of the vehicle we were in. Um, and he was watching all the time. You know, the, uh, the stakes changed when we got near the lions. And uh, he was clearly extremely respectful of the lions. Now, Josh. At first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lions then. When he came near the den, he called Daniel in anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the king God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I, I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have, I ever found, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed them, and crushed all their brains. Yeah. And what a crazy thing for a king to say. It says that he, you know, he did not sleep well that night. And when he got up, it's a crazy thing. He's thrown Daniel into the den of lions, and he comes and says, are you okay? Which is a mad thing to say, other than the fact God had kept him okay. And if you note the last, the very last line of that, when uh, the, the men who had falsely accused Daniel, they were thrown into the lions, and it does say there, with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. So these were not lions that had been um, give, given an injection to make them sleepy, whatever. These were proper hungry lions, and they were kept hungry in order that if enemies were captured, they would be fed to the lions. And that is what happened. So an absolute miracle, a complete and utter miracle. Next slide, please. Right. Daniel was just... He wasn't ordinary in one sense, in that he was from the nobility, he was high-ranking in his own country... But in, the, in a general sense, he was an ordinary guy, and his heart was for God. And he, he honored God. He started with something very little about the food, um, and it just grew and grew as God 
gifted him, and as he used that gifting, it grew. And God honored him in, in big things. And the fact is, we can be all, like, all be like Daniel. What we haven't done is looked at the other three characters, and they were all superheroes as well. Daniel chapter 3 tells us about the other three remarkable characters. And we can be like Daniel. You know, the, pictures, the picture of the four guys on the beach was an ordinary picture. This is a picture of Ashburnham, okay? Now, Daniel could have been just one of the people sitting there, standing there, you know, and the sun was shining. It does happen in Ashburnham. Uh, ordinary people can be superheroes. Ordinary people like us can be superheroes. Even young, young people can be superheroes. So Daniel was most definitely a superhero. Right, last slide. This is three, three points for adults, as it were. The, it's a repeated point here that when, something, when, when they had their dreams, they summoned the wise men. And when things go wrong, I wonder who we summon. Sometimes we summon our inner strength. Don't we? I'm going to gird myself up. I'm going to get through this. And we summon our strength. Daniel resolved before God. And that, and that is very, very different. Daniel resolved to trust God and to do what God wanted. It's not a good thing to summon up. You know, do we, we can summon someone else to help us do something. Summoning up, does, summoning stuff doesn't do us much good in the long term. So when something goes wrong, are you tempted to summon up your inner strength, to summon someone, or do you resolve before God to, deal, to help ask God's strength to help something? Why Daniel is a great verse in chapter 10 that says, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Gaining understanding was not intellect and academic ability, but understand, knowledge of God, understanding of God. And humility. Humility will get us a very long way. If we live humbly before God and trust Him and, honor, and acknowledge Him and seek to gain, uh, to increase our experience and our, our uh, knowledge of Him, that will stand us in very good stead. And that, those were the qualifications that Daniel had that God saw in advance. The last one, a bit cryptic, Nebuchadnezzar had three encounters with God. The first one was uh, the dream of the, uh, uh, the statue, which crashes down. Um, and at the end of it, when he, he acknowledges God, but he acknowledges your God. So this was Daniel and the others. Hello. He acknowledges, he acknowledges your God. It then went wrong, because in the next chapter, is the chapter with Shadrach, Meshach, uh, and Abednego. At the end of that one, he acknowledges God, but he says, their God. He talks about their God. And in chapter 4, which we're a little bit about, where he has the dream of the tree, uh, and it ends, it's about him, and it, hap and it happens, he ends up talking about my God. And the, the only way, actually, we can live a Christian life, thank you very much, the only way we can live the Christian life, actually, if it's personal, you want that? Is if it's personal between me and God. You can't live off somebody else. You can't, you can't piggyback 
somebody else's faith. Nebuchadnezzar failed twice in that regard. And we will fa- if we want to live our life just piggybacking off someone else, it doesn't work. And it needs to be between you and God. And that can, you can, this morning, you can, you can have that. If, if you've not got a personal experience of, of Jesus Christ, you can have that. And you can come to the front and we'll pray with you. And um, you can experience just personally uh, an, an encounter with Jesus and being forgiven. Can I say thank you to my, the helpers at the front? And uh, where, where is um, the helper at the back? Where's she gone? Where's... Um, can't remember. Uh, and where's Annabelle gone? But um, anyway, thank you to Annabelle.